Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Well, hello there, everybody. This is Jared from Puzzling Company, and with me always... It's Zach. It's Zach. And we are here today with another wonderful episode of Puzzling Company, where two nerdy individuals get together to talk about the games that they play. How dare you call me a nerd? What would you classify yourself as? I'm a then? cool jock. You're a cool jock. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, who are you in High School Musical? I don't know. I, that's that's actually a good question. <laughs> I feel like I don't. I'm saying the star of the show. I'm I'm Troy. You're Troy. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. I'd be like Corbin Blue or someone. I don't know what his name is in that show. But Corbin Blue know. is a jock. It's true. But he's more like a nerdy. I mean, they're, they're all, I don't know. <laughs> Why are you asking me questions about High School Musical? Because I just, I don't know, that's just what popped into my head. Like, choose your, choose your, high, who are you in the breakfast club? Uh, this is great <laughs> questions that I feel like aren't, <laughs> you know what, never mind. We it, Scrap everything, I'm a nerd, all right? Let's I'm a go. nerd. Yes, perfect. Brought you back to where I wanted you. Excellent. Hang on, we're coming right back to talk about a great series called Gruzzle. <sighs> I'm over it. Over what? Christmas. People can't let this holiday go, man. I'm still receiving Christmas-themed mail. Look at this red envelope I got yesterday. Jared, you are so uncultured. Uncultured? Because I refuse to celebrate Christmas year-round? No, you're uncultured because one, that color is scarlet, not red. And two, because that envelope is jammed-packed with puzzles and mysteries. Scarlet Envelope features escape room-style experiences that you may receive every month in the mail. Each episode features a different story but all their experiences are tied together in a bigger narrative that you are trying to unravel. I think I could get down with Christmas all year. Well, head on over to scarletenvelope.ca to start your adventures today. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. Zach, I did think of another one, Mean Girls. Who would you be in Mean Girls? I don't remember any characters' names from those movies. I feel really bad, but I, I don't. I, I would be the, the nerdy kid that was the head of, like, the mathletes. Okay. I think I remember that character. Okay, I want to be... Who was, who was rapping at the talent show? Oh, <laughs> I think I do remember that, yes. Tears his shirt. I'm sorry. I could go down the, the 90s, 2000s movies. That's, the, that's not what we're here to talk about. I'm sorry. I apologize. We're here to talk about Gruzzle is Excellent. what we're here to talk about. Zach, tell us a little bit about what to expect from the format of Gruzzle. What kind of game is it? What should people who have never played this before expect? Yeah, so what Gruzzle does is it's a subscription-based company that sends a game to you every other month, not monthly, but every other month. Um, the fun fact, all of their games are all family-friendly. They have no violence or any like gore or anything like that. Um, but you'll be doing things from solving crimes to being helping kind of solve museum thefts, kind of art heists, from going through gardens, all those types of jazz. And, it, and it's just a fun experience that you get to kind of work through every other month. Uh, and the game time is fun because it is made for that you can play and it could be like an hour long experience or you could take as many days as you like to solve it. Yeah, it's a, it, and it follows a pretty standard format inside of solving things, opening envelopes, getting more narrative, getting more puzzles. Yes. And man, were there some puzzles there in, was some puzzles in this. Me. But I, I want to get to that in a second. I want to start start off with what we really loved about the game. Zach, why don't you kick us off on what we really enjoyed? 
to be clear, the two games that we did cover um, that we played were the painting, which I believe is actually, if not their very first, I believe box, it's their first one, at least on their website. It seemed to be the very first box. Uh, and then we've also were able to play the garden. Uh, but one of the things that we really enjoyed that we played in both of them was the onboarding. I thought the onboarding for these games were fantastic. They really let you know what you were doing and clearly where to start. It gave you a great idea of like, this is what you're looking for. This is kind of the format. It told you exactly what numbers you were looking for, what kind of information for passwords. It told you was the website needed, which for this game, to be clear to people, you do not need internet to play the game. But if you want to check out their hint system, if you ever have issues, you will need to check the internet because they do have a website for that. But it, it's just a fun self-contained package that you will work through and it very clearly explains like you will use items again. You know, it, it covered every ground of the question we sometimes ask when we play games and we're like, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do if we kind of move on. They very clearly told you this is what you'll need and how to do it. And I, I appreciated that. We, we reviewed a game two games ago by Gumshoe Box. And this is the type of onboarding that I wish I would have had in Gumshoe Box. It would have made the game more enjoyable because I knew what I should do, what I shouldn't be doing, what were my my boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. I felt very comfortable within that. And that goes specifically into our next thing that we really loved. And this is specific, I believe, to the painting, the, the game that we played, is the reuse of puzzles. Yes. I thought... It was a puzzle masterpiece, the way that they reused one specific set of puzzles throughout that entire game. Yeah. There, and that's not the only thing. There was like multiple things like that, that it felt like you thought you were done with it, but it clearly, it kept coming back right. and back, but, but not in a way that you felt like, oh, I'm just using this puzzle again. No, I, I it was, felt like I was doing a whole new puzzle every time, but it just involved a piece from earlier. I was just thoroughly impressed. Like for one thing, we kept coming back to something that we used at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And I was like, there's the logistics alone of reusing this thing was just like, there, there's no way they can use this again. Like, it would have to mess up a previous puzzle or prohibit us from a future puzzle. Which is crazy to think about because of the level of complicity or like how complex, complex, whatever, how complex it would have to be for that puzzle to work because you'd have to keep all those things in mind that yes. first puzzle would work without revealing too much about the second puzzle, how the second puzzle potentially would overlap on that one, Man. how the third one would overlap, how the next one adds more information, so on and so forth, but it kept working and never felt like it, like that you would have noticed it. It was it was very well done. Puzzle snaps. Yep. Puzzle snaps very to well that done. entire reuse. And again, that just is evidence of how good the onboarding was because typically what we do, unless we're told otherwise, is if we've used it, you lose it, move on. But because yep. those two things worked in tandem so well, we were able to enjoy a really robust system of constant reuse. And just, I think that helped our deeper appreciation for that set of puzzles. It was great. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to put it on our wall. I'm kind of in awe of it a little bit from a creator standpoint. And it just had to be talked about because it was masterful in its creation. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what's the last thing that we really um, loved about this game? The hint system. Oh, yes. Uh, very thematic, very fit in. It was made well. Tiered hint system. Deep-tiered. Yeah, it was very deep-tiered. Deep uh, I mean, it answered any question you probably had, um, as well as I thought it did it in a very good way that it never felt like 
you like because it's very deep tiered it didn't feel like when i jumped into one i felt like i got too much information i clearly got a lot of off like opportunities to be like very clearly like hey you should not you know like you should work on these few first then go to that one later like because when you see that there's a tiered hint system that has 10 options you're like well i could definitely start at one through five and not be told the answer and that's great so i um, very much liked it um, it, and it was all, like I said, it worked very well with the game itself. No, I, I agree. The other thing I'll shout out that I really liked is they included pictures. Yes. And uh, we saw a similar type of thing in other games. Like one of them that I'm actually looking at right now is uh, the Dollhouse game um, by that Blue Matter built. I love pictures and hint systems because there's just some things that can't be described well enough through words. I'm a very visual person. So anytime that I can see stuff spelt out like that, even solutions, like they offer solutions in their hint system, they would say like, here's part of the puzzle worked out visually. Here's the next. And I, I really appreciated that and really enjoyed going through that after the game. And just to be clear about what I mean by that is when you get to the solutions, they show how to work out. There's not like pictures throughout of every little thing that you've interacted with because the hints are good enough and tiered enough that you don't often need that. But when you get to the solutions, it's like, they help you spell it out visually, and I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Zach, take us into talking a little bit now about where we felt like there were some room for improvements. Yeah, so I think one of the first things that we wanted to talk about for rooms for improvement was kind of the process overload that we felt. In between both the garden and the painting, I'd say we felt this a bit more in the garden than we did in the painting. Yes. Was that there was a lot of process puzzles and it felt like in some games when you play them, you kind of feel like you do like a process puzzle and you do a few like kind of more shorter, different types of puzzles. You have like the aha ones to kind of feed in between them. It felt like at a few points and specifically garden that I did a process puzzle that took a while to another process puzzle that took a little bit to do like another kind of more difficult puzzle, but kind of fed into it. And then another process puzzle or one that was like a process puzzle that took over like multiple puzzles to get all the information. It, it just felt like at some point I was like, I feel like I'm getting tired from doing so many processes. And, and it was just, it unfortunately took us a little bit out of it, you know, cause it, it just felt like uh, it, it felt like the flow almost suffered because of it. It did. And we call this pacing or diversity of puzzle length is another fancy way of saying that same thing, but it did. It, it felt like we were, not getting enough quick solves or puzzle diversity in there to where we we ended up taking breaks a little bit to say like, whoa. And I want to be clear, the puzzles were not bad. Oh, no, they were good puzzles. They were good puzzles. But in terms of game flow, like you said, I agree. It needed to be broken up. There needed to be different types of solves. And again, just mapping out how long each puzzle takes to solve that needed to become a factor in designing this because I agree with you, especially in garden, it was too much of that back to back to back to where we just felt like at some point it became homework. And we've talked about that in some other episodes, like there needs to be again, different types of puzzles, different lengths of puzzles to give a more enjoyable experience. But I will say I understand where the creators are coming from. Like if you get to talk to the creators, if you read their bio a little bit, these are puzzly people. Yeah. And they were flexing that in these games to say like, we can put some dope puzzles out. And I don't want to discredit any of the puzzles, but as you're thinking about it as a, an experience that people are working through, 
I feel like there needs to be a little bit of juxtaposition of lengthy puzzles to non-lengthy puzzles. And that could really help the flow of the game overall. It's also a thing, too, that this could be on us. You know, when we played this game and when I looked up some of their kind of frequently asked questions, this game, these games are made for really anyone in terms of, like, length. And they, you know, and one of the most popular questions they get asked or frequently asked questions is, like, what's the difficulty rating? And for them, they're like, well, for some games it's easy and some of it's not. You know, there's no easy, like, way to say, like, this is a five. You know, like we've talked about before with people rating their difficulties. It's not as easy as being like, oh, this is a, an hour in a game. You know, every person's going to take an hour, hour and a half to do this. Right. There are people who take an hour to play their games, probably people who take three, people who take days. Um, and it, maybe it's a thing that we, when we played the first one, we played painting first. Correct. Which, like I said, it could be their very first game they ever released. And we, and that could have been an easier game com- comparatively to the garden. That's what we feel like it was. So maybe we were just surprised too in terms of like, okay, we had a game that I think did a good job. It felt like there was a little process puzzle stuff in painting. And then we got, whoa, (laughs) like the garden felt like we did a lot of them. And they were, like I said, they were great puzzles and very good in terms of difficulty, but it just felt like they were all back to back. And that's kind of takes away from it. And, and, And even in terms of quantity too, like if you mapped out each puzzle in there and, and said, what type of puzzle is it? What length? There were just a lot of those in general. Yeah. The, the quantity was high too. And I just feel like mixing that up a little bit can just create a better experience and a better flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing that I w- will say about this is we're always trying to say like, who is this game for? Who is this game maybe better either like save for or not for? We felt like this similar to Conundrum Box. This is a puzzly game made by puzzly people. And you probably need to get your feet wet a little bit before diving into Gruzzle is how we felt. However, I will say that, again, going back to the onboarding, one of the frequent things that you're doing in this game is decoding. Mm. And they do a really good job, like a lot of other games, in order to keep it self-contained to say like, oh, hey, you want to know how a shift cipher works? This is how it works. Yes. You want to know how this different cipher works? So I want to applaud them on that but I felt like I was doing that too much. And because of that, I feel like that would be overwhelming to a first time player. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else in there, Zach, that felt like it would be just a little too much or who would you tell to play this game? No, I I think you said it best. I think it's, I think the onboarding almost lets, I think onboarding makes it even closer to being like for first time players, but unfortunately isn't close enough just because there is some very more, there's some complex puzzles in these and it is puzzly for puzzly people. Uh, but it, it definitely is a game that almost merges, in my opinion, towards the first-time player. But I would say if you played a few, then you can gladly jump in these. And yeah, the, the difficulty won't be as challenging, but will give you a great experience that gives you kind of a mix of those. I think that's a great way of saying that. They do do a good job of hinting well enough and onboarding well enough to it feels like a lot of people could tackle this earlier on in their puzzly career. Yep. Well, that is going to wrap us up for our first section. We've got Puzzles to the People coming at you next. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Hey, Zach. Jared, I'm not falling for this again. Oh, so what? Now you don't trust me? Correct. I don't trust you. Well, then do I have a game for you. What are you talking about? Floor 13 from CU Adventures. It's the story of a company with too much trust. But I don't trust you. Well... Zach, trust me on this. You need to head on over to cuadventures.com and play Floor 13 or their other game, The Lost Temple, and you will not be disappointed. 
Welcome back, guys, to Puzzles to the People. In this section, this is kind of a chaos moment, in my opinion. I always get surprised by what Jared's going to tell me. Uh, but generally, what happens in this section is two things. One thing that we usually do is we, we discuss, I discover a topic. Because generally, Jared's <laughs> already created, and I have no idea what it is. What's the fun and authenticity if you know? That's true. But it is a place for us to discuss a topic that is related to the game or series that we're discussing. Or just kind of the industry as a whole. Uh, or it's a place for where we discuss kind of reviews or comments or just things about the game at play, which would be Gruzzle. And it'd kind of be like a back and forth to discuss those and see if we agree or disagree with them. I'm coming at you today, Zach. Shocker. I want to go back to last week's episode because in that we talked about giving feedback, okay. whether that's to us or to creators. And in honoring that i want to talk about something that we've received some feedback on that i agree we need to work on and that is kind of de-jargoning some of the things that we're saying okay we sometimes we say things that puzzle people get um but not all puzzle people or if they're a new time listener they have no idea what that means so we're going to de-jargon and talk about something that we talked about a lot in the first section which is process puzzles Okay. Zach, what in the world are we talking about when we are using the phrase process puzzle? It just means that you have to go through different steps to kind of complete the puzzle. It's not as simple as here is presentation of information and done. It is like, okay, here's step one to solve puzzle. Do this. Now do step two, then do step three. Generally as well, these things we call process puzzles just take a lot of time because they require you to gather or use a lot of information to solve the puzzle. And generally that's why it becomes sometimes a, a question of if it feels like there's too many of them, because it feels like, you know, if you're given a math problem, but it's like a 10, you know, like a five-step math problem. After you do that so many times, you're like, I really don't do this again. It reminds me when I was like in college, I'm just like, <laughs> I'd prefer not to do, you know, all this, uh, you know, like stuff all over again, do college calculus and stuff. Yes. One of, the, one of the most common ways that we see this to give an example is, we talked about this earlier, is a shift cipher. And that is where you are substituting letters to spell something out. In the first part of a Caesar shift puzzle, a Caesar is another name for a shift puzzle, you are figuring out what two letters need to be lined up so that you can shift the rest of the alphabet to figure out how to decode a message. Mm -hmm. That is generally the first part of the puzzle is what letter now equals what letter so I can make sense of the rest of it. That is part one. Yep. That is where the aha moment comes is when you discover, oh, D equals F or C equals Z. I've got that information. That is the aha part of that puzzle or figuring out what the puzzle is. Step two is now where the process comes in because now we usually have a long line of misconstrued letters that do not make sense next to each other, that we now have to apply the rule that we learned from the first part of the puzzle, and now the process ensues. Because now we have to go through every single letter and apply that rule to now completely solve the puzzle. Mm -hmm. We see that a lot. Yes. We're not against it. Nope. We're not here to dog on process puzzles. Uh, we think they have their place. That can be really, really cool and sometimes really fulfilling decoding a message. But we wanted to first off de-jargonize what we mean by that. Process puzzles mean you have information at the beginning that you generally need to figure out, and now you're applying that information 
to the rest of the puzzle in a way that's not necessarily solving the puzzle, but doing the work. Mm -hmm. So Zach, let's talk a little bit because we've had games lately. I talked about conundrum. Uh, I'm thinking of other games that relied heavily on uh, process puzzles that we've talked about. I'm thinking about like the VOC treasure. What is our beef with the process puzzle? Do we have beef with the process puzzle? I feel like we bring that up a lot. Let's, I want to break that down a little bit. I don't think we have beef with the, the idea or the actual play of process puzzles in at home escape games or at home tabletop games. I think the issue generally comes up is when you feel like you do too many of them, like we've talked about, because it is just generally a lot of work to solve process puzzles. So sometimes it feels like you're doing work. It, it almost feel like you were having like a, I guess the way I would put it is, let's say you were working out in your yard on a really hot day, right? And you're like, okay, I got to work on the flowers and I got to work on the grass. I got to weed, so on and so forth. Generally how you do it, right, is you would do, let's say the process and then you take a break, you, you know, drink water or whatever, you chill for a little bit. And then maybe I'm working on small and then you'd be like, okay, now it's time for me to get back to working. And then you start working on another big part of the yard and then you take another break. And what's nice about that is that you feel like you've done something huge and then you can chill and have like a moment to kind of relax and then you get back into it. And sometimes that is the exact same flow we have in the games because you'll do a big process puzzle. It's rewarding. You've seen you've done the work and that it's gone somewhere and then you're like, okay, that's nice. Now I'm going to do something a little bit more. I'm going to do something different. Have like a little break from it. And then do, you know, like a more of like an aha puzzle that's just self-contained and then be done. And then you realize the next puzzle you will get is another one of those like longer process puzzles in terms of that it has many steps yes. to complete it. And you're like, okay, I'm going back to it. And then do that. And then, so it would feel like very frustrating if you were working on the yard and you're like, okay, you can't take any breaks. It's 95 degrees out, and you're going to literally work for five hours. <laughs> you're going to do one law. You're going to work on this part of the yard. You're going to work on this part of the yard, this part of the yard, this part of the yard. You're going to hate it by the end because you didn't give yourself a break. And maybe, unfortunately for that, you'd drink water if you're going to be working on the yard in 95-degree heat uh, Fahrenheit. But it would just be frustrating to do, in my opinion, so many puzzles that just make you work really hard and uses your brain so much. You're like, oh, I just need a break, but you're not getting them. And I think part of the argument, too, is where the enjoyment of the puzzle comes for a majority of people, mm -hmm. right? Because I think, and I think if you polled people who play puzzles or games, the enjoyment comes in the aha moment. The part one. The, making the connection yeah. is the enjoyable part of a majority of puzzles. Yeah. When you figure out that, oh, I'm supposed to put this right here, and oh, now I can see certain letters. That's like, boom, exciting. And then when you discover after that, that now that the aha moment is gonna apply to rigorously doing something, that can be enjoyable, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I think our argument is just not often. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the feeling I had when we played the Clockwinder by Sultans of Saul, is that there's a, a puzzle in there that kind of has that where you have to like cipher um, certain phrases and it felt really cool when we solved it the first time, but then you have to do another like six lines of it or like six paragraphs of it. And you're like, Oh, okay. I, it felt really cool. when I did the first paragraph. Now I have to keep doing this and okay. I've done the next one. Now I have to keep doing it, keep yes. doing it, keep doing it. It, it. it feels like sometimes those puzzles have too much. And sometimes if they're the only like process puzzle in a game, let's say there's only like one or two of them and they're long like that. 
I think it is okay. But if I feel like I just did like a six step process puzzle in terms of the aha moment, and then six different times I have to repeat what I've learned to solve the different parts and then do it again with a whole different puzzle, it, it becomes, it feels like way too much. Right. Like I really would like a break from this. Right. Which is why I really appreciate games that go out of their way to say, hey, if you have gotten the connection part of this puzzle and don't want to do the process, we've done it for you. Yeah. I love that. And I think there's even more room in hints or solutions to even say like, hey, if you don't want to solve this, you can look right here. I'm pretty sure Enigma Fellowship did that in one of their games. They did. There was a math. They said, hey, if you know what you're doing, but you just don't want to do the math, here's, mm. here's the answer. And I was like, yes, like that is glorious. I will say there is a puzzle in, I believe it is the garden, if I'm not mistaken, that does that. It gives you an option of going like, and it's it's in part of their like tiered hint system. Yes. But it goes like, here's a partial solution of this. And then it shows you it. So that if you didn't like if you want to do some of it, you still could, but it could show you how to start it. Yes. Or do this. And I thought, like you said, it, I think it's very well done because sometimes you just want to almost skip like the really long and we work did. Parts. And we did at a point. We did. Yeah. There was uh you're right, it was in the garden. We said we're not doing this. <laughs> I had really preferred them just to tell me what it does or show it to me. And yes. then I was like, oh, that's really cool. Because I just, you know, after doing so many of those types, we really just didn't want to do an, another. Right. right. Making making the aha moment connection piece was enough for us. And it was like, let's go here. And because we know what we wanted. We knew what was going to happen. I just really didn't want to have to like make it at that point. Like I, I knew where we were going to go next. Yes. So like just show me like the results of what we would have done. And I was like, cool. And I'll just go where I was going to go. Yes. The other way that we use the term process puzzle is actually the inverse. And we try to talk about this a lot is if there is a process that has to be completed before you can even make the connection. Mm -hmm. This comes into play a lot of times with games that have cutting. Yes. Folding, which Zach and I will be very upfront and say, not our bag. I will be very honest. I very much dislike when there's a lot of cutting in games because it instantly makes me feel like I'm back in school when I was younger. And it's just, I, I say it's disappointing for myself because I try to be as fair as possible and not feel that way every right. time I see it's, it. It's our bias. Correct. A hundred percent. But I, if you tell me you're going to make me cut out a bunch of things, I'm like, I really don't want to do it. I'll do it. Of yes. course. But at the end, I'm like, please never, like Jared will tell you, I, I give him the face of, I never want to do this again. Please don't make me do it. And Gruzzle does fall into that more foldy, cutty. Correct. Which yeah. which is fine, right? I know oh, yeah. we know people that love cutty, foldy puzzles. Oh, agreed, yeah. That's, that's, that's in their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. That is not in our wheelhouse. For sure. Whatsoever. But again, giving players opportunity to where if you don't want to cut and fold, visual examples of how you can do that so then you can solve the puzzle huge fan huge fan of allowing people to experience aha moments and let go of the process part of things again if people want to do that if that's what they love more power to you but all of this in what zach and i are saying is give the player the opportunity to have the experience that they want to have i always tell the story of a group of elderly women that came and played one of our escape rooms. And the way that they enjoyed the game is every time they got to a new puzzle, 
they hit the they hit the hint button. Yep. And they all they wanted was to have somebody walk them through each and every individual puzzle, and then they just enjoyed what they were doing. That was their entire experience. When we were cluing, we were just thinking like, this isn't fun. It's not true. They had a ball. For them, it's it's a blast. For them, it's fun. And that's what I I that that is the point of what we're talking about is give people the opportunity to have the gameplay that they want to have. And I think that is diving in again into a little bit of the jargon that we're talking about and the reasons why we're bringing up these things when we're talking about room for improvements. Hmm. Zach, anything you want to add on to this section? No, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, hang on. We're coming back for questions for creators coming at you next. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Zach, I'm I'm so sorry to hear about the robbery at your house last night. Are you okay? I'm fine. But Jared, literally no one broke into my house last night. But I do feel a little upset because you did stand me up for game night. Okay. Your text literally reads, break in tonight, exclamation point. Jared, that's literally the name of the game. It's a really cool new concept where you're trying to solve puzzles to break into the game instead of out of it. All other games follow really cool narratives about real-life places. We really should have people check it out in our show notes to get details on where they can pick up this game. So it's called Break In? Yes, it's Breaking In, not Breaking Out. I'm sorry. It's okay. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now in our section called Questions for Creators, where we get to meet the lovely people that make the games that we love playing. And today we've got some folks here from the Gruzzle team. And as always, I will let them introduce them. So if you all would, please tell us who you are and a little bit about your game. Gruzzle is a three-person company that started about a year and a half ago. Two of the people are myself, Vicki, and my daughter, Carolyn. And the third person is my husband, her father, Chuck. Um, we sometimes have uh, my children help out with, uh, you know, some good boxing child labor. <laughs> That's true. And as they get older, they're actually helping us create some of the um, actual material for some of the puzzles, like this next one that's coming out. Needed some child work. So um, anyway, we, um, we as a family, since it's a family company, have loved puzzles since Fun. Carolyn was very small, um, just doing them in every form, from reading puzzling books and looking at movies about puzzles and and um going yeah. to going to places where there are puzzles so we just thought that it'd be fun to start a company that did puzzles we have lots of ideas and it's it's fun to share them with everybody we really enjoyed reading your bio about you guys but can you tell us more about your puzzly past yeah, I think that I think that mom and dad used to make little puzzles for me, and then I decided I liked them and got back at them a thousandfold. Um, I, we used to do large birthday parties and and um, like the holidays, like Christmas, where um, in order to get your presents, you'd have to solve a lot of puzzles. It would take sort of an hour in the morning. Uh, Carolyn was always the puzzle. Well, was generally the puzzle creator. <clears throat> My husband and I started doing them, but ours were not as good. And when, when it became obvious that she was better at making them, then she made them all. But she would make one for each person in the family, and they were interest-specific. So her brothers were always about sports, and her dads were always about music, and mine were always just about anything really hard. And 
again, you know, we'd, we'd open a few presents, but then the last thing would always be this scroll. Um, and you knew when you got the scroll that you were in for a two hour search until you could finally get to the answer. Um, as she got older, the puzzles became interrelated so that you no longer could solve yours and get your present. You for like had Christmas. To, right. You yeah. had to wait for everybody else to solve theirs. And then they connected somehow and it became very complex. And they weren't just puzzles that you solved by sitting around looking at papers. Sometimes there were other people that were involved. There were places outside you had to go to. There were uh, websites. There were audio files there were video recordings um we had a lot of flexibility and it was always a, a, a treasure hunt you'd go somewhere else and find the next clue but yeah i used to rip my friends into making recordings sometimes to advance the plot so it, it became quite an epic adventure and we we played enough different kinds of puzzles ourselves that we had a plethora of ideas we i, I can't think, i think perhaps mom wanted to start this company to get out of doing that for Christmas because now I don't have as much time to write the puzzles for birthdays because we're working on this. Right, because she writes basically all of all of the puzzles for the company. So yeah, that's basically us growing up. We, we've always loved um, like puzzling computer games, like Myst is my favorite puzzling computer game. Um, and then jigsaw puzzles, we got really into the foam 3D jigsaw puzzles. Those have been really fun. Well, and weirdly shaped puzzles, round puzzles, um, puzzles where you could only solve them by reading what was written on the pieces of the puzzle. Right. Or reading a story first and then putting the puzzle together. And then we've done a lot of escape rooms, which is obviously a newer thing. So we, we've enjoyed those too. Well, and one of my favorite things is that um, a lot of some places, sometimes you can find codes in places where you don't expect. And we often visited Disney World because we were on the East Coast. And there are quite a few attractions there with codes being used as part of the decor of the attractions. So, um, well, the Indiana Jones ride, that's but that's here. in Disneyland. There's writing, yeah, yeah. Great Escape. There's writing all over the walls, and we quickly realized that it wasn't just random; that it actually was a code. And we spent all our time not listening to what the person was talking about, but in the trying back with a piece of paper, right, trying to decode. <laughs> we did that a lot. It definitely happened in Indiana Jones at Disneyland, where the ride closed for maintenance, and we were just in the line trying to figure out the codes in the walls. We're like everybody that's cool. else left, <laughs> we're fine. We're just going to solve this code right here. So when you're putting a game together, what is your philosophy on puzzle creation? Our, a lot of our mindset came from what we enjoyed solving together ourselves. And we found that we preferred games that we will call family friendly. Um, we preferred games with no, no hints, no advice, no avatars, nobody talking to us, you know, more of a missed kind of game. We just liked to to rely on ourselves. We prided ourselves on not using hints. Um, we liked puzzles that, that were logical, where you could deduce the answer, not that it was easy, but when you got the answer, it was obvious that that, of course, was the answer, how clever that they did it that way. And, and we're definitely, we de never time ourselves doing puzzles. We like to take our time, because we're definitely the kind of people who, um, when we see where this is going, you can see what it spells out. We're still going to solve the whole thing to make sure. I don't know that it was right. <laughs> and for some puzzles, we would find we spent as much time talking about it away from the puzzle as we did actually working with the puzzle, 
trying to figure out, okay, so we did that, but what did we forget to do? And we would have discussions about it away from the puzzle sometimes. I think that the one other thing that's important for me when creating the puzzles is that they are, um, they have multi interrelated parts and you never put something down the first time you use it. So I really like to make things that you, you've used something and it's not done. You're gonna use it again and then maybe again. So it just it comes back and there's lots of multi-use pieces. It was important to us not to include anything in our games that was not essential to the game. So even if there were little tchotchke items, those had to be essential to the game. Yeah. Um, and we wanted the puzzles to be totally self-contained and we decided we wanted them to be offline because most of the puzzles we did were that way, probably because there was no online <laughs> experience at that point, but right. we enjoyed that. So. so we know that you guys have a subscription-based service and you guys do it every other month. Why did you guys decide to go down that subscription route? I think we went with the subscription model first because we didn't know any better. It seemed to me that that's how everyone that's was all doing we bought. it. Yeah, that's, yes. Um, that ended up being good and bad. It was good because it gave us deadlines that we had to meet. Um, and it also gave us an idea of how many puzzles to make, though that has not stayed true because we've sold way many more after the fact than we sold um, as people get to know about the company. Um, I do think having the schedule, though, is helpful just because life is so busy. If you don't have that sort of life schedule, you can't just put it off and then, um, yeah. But we're still learning about how many to make and how many to keep in stock and whether to spend time creating a new one or refilling a stock item that's popular. It, it's still a learning process. In being indie game creators, what are some of the struggles that you have experienced going through this process of creating games and selling games? And what uh, hopeful words of advice would you give to people out there? Definitely, definitely the deadlines can be hard, especially if I get busy at my actual job um, or or uh, or school's closed and and then the kids go to the grandparents and then there's no time there. Right. That's been hard. Um, Carol, I mean, Carolyn creates the puzzles and then I'm in charge of figuring out how to produce them. So that's been a huge learning curve, trying to figure out where to get things, how how much can you print at home and how many things do you have to go out to print and how do you order custom materials? And um, for example, we just bought a Cricut machine. Do you know what those are? Um, excited about it. In, in hopes that that can help us save some money in the long-term for producing things that we've had to send out. Also makes cool things. Tr uh, keeping track of sales tax in all the different states, that's driving <laughs> us, that's a lot of work. Um, there's just a lot of things that you never knew, even maintaining the website and Facebook and Instagram. There's a lot of things you don't think of until you start getting into them and then you find yourself really busy. Yeah, I think that I think that we're successful a lot because mom is a very list organized person. And so she can keep track of all those things. So if someone else was starting a business, I think we just need to have somebody with that mentality of like, here's my checklist of everything I have to do every day to make sure this is running smoothly. We found that with such different personalities, we actually do a good job solving puzzles because we look at them in such different ways. Um, on the other hand, we're able to perform the various functions of a business well because we don't all want to do the same thing. Right. When I, I know that I get a lot of credit for creating the puzzles, quote unquote, but I, I think that often that's given too much of a shiny 
name because I really just give her like scraps of paper with like handwritten scribbles. And then I have to figure out how to make it into something. Yes. Become something. Tell us a little bit about the future plans for Gruzzle. You obviously don't have to tell us everything or anything you really want to, but we'd love to hear what you guys have planned for the future for Gruzzle. One very definitive thing is that we've decreased the physical size of the box. Hopefully make postage a little bit cheaper. We, I, When we chose the box side originally, we just picked a size that other people making similar puzzles were using, but we've determined that we don't need a box that large, um, that we can just fold papers more. Um, so, Whoa. and also we don't actually have, in many cases, we don't actually have boxes that are stuffed because like you said, we use the same item multiple times. So sometimes it, it may not look like the box is rich with puzzles because of how it's structured. Um, so we don't really need bigger boxes. So we've made, we've kept the design exactly the same, but we've made boxes that are significantly smaller. So that's one change. Um, we're just starting on our second year and we, we do six puzzles a year. So we're almost done with puzzle number seven, which ships in another few weeks. Um, but we'll have another six. And um, we're also still thinking about the idea of creating another type of puzzle that we're going to call Grussell Jr. that is aimed for um, like six to 12, eight, eight six, to 12, something like there. that, that, that age range, because we found that the, this particular field for, of adult puzzles is really blossoming right now. And there's so many out there, but we still haven't found a lot for that age range. And that's the range that Carolyn's children are quickly approaching. <laughs> and I have a background in education. So it's an area where I have a lot of knowledge and we think that that the puzzles would be a good and, fit. For and that. they really want to help out and do puzzles. Well, and they, they can often be my testers. older child, who's only seven, they're not approaching the age that fast, um, will sit with us and try and do the puzzles, but they're just a little bit too hard for her. Um, and so it'd be nice to have something that she could do. And she's all ready to be a tester for Grizzle Jr. if we can get it off the ground. I mean, at where the puzzles are now, the adult puzzles, because they're family friendly, they can really be done by a family group especially if the kids we i think we put on our website 10 and up but depending on your child you can certainly participate in it they're not it's not that they're super challenging they just have lots of different parts and you could certainly have a child help with some of the parts but i also think that the junior gives us an opportunity to really tap into some of mom's sort of writing skills and like teaching that age for so long and, and creating these sort of like kid-like fantastical plots where that I always see my child reading or watching on TV, where it's just kind of like the villains are silly and fun and, uh, yeah. But we would still, one of the things that we focus on is having a real variety of puzzles. We try to have word puzzles, math puzzles, physical crafty puzzles, um, visual puzzles in each box, because again, we don't know who's buying them and we think that they are better solved by groups of people who have all different skills. So we would do the same thing in the kids' puzzles. and and perhaps even give them um, a STEAM component, you know, try and make sure that we have a science, a technology, and so on element to them so that they reach all those different parts. Right. And the question that everybody needs to know is, what other games are you enjoying? Are there other at-home tabletop mystery games that you've played that you'd recommend? Or what other type of games, puzzles, would you recommend to our listeners? I Well, I don't say for any listeners in the Seattle area with children, I'm going to do that one first. Okay. Um, we just found uh, an escape room for eight and up. Um, and there's uh, two 
called Conundrum. If anybody has kids, two called Conundrum that are like Harry Potter themed and Minecraft themed. And it was just amazing. Yeah. We went went to the Harry Potter we took one. took the seven-year-old and she loved, loved it. it. So yeah, that was great. That was very exciting to find. Because like you said, escape rooms often don't, often don't have, um, like not really kid-friendly. So yeah, that was amazing. But we do have, we have done a lot of the current boxes that are out there because when we started this, we wanted to see what was there. So, you know, find your secrets, escape the crate, the conundrum box, the curious correspondence club, scarlet envelope. Um, we have boxes escape like the room. Yeah. Yeah. We have the, the think fun escape rooms. We have, um, a lot of exit boxes and unlock. Um, we got box one and we just got the three magic puzzle company puzzles and did the first one, which we, uh, enjoyed. Um, we also have a lot of books. Um, as there's a lot of Sherlock Holmes escape and like escape from books, books. like turn to page 42 and then turn to page, whatever. Um, so those sorts of things. Um, and we were doing escape rooms but when we could go places and then we stopped <laughs> going places, except for the one we just did with, with my daughter. But yeah, we haven't played a whole lot of computer games recently. We we did get an Oculus, and we did we were playing <laughs> Mist on the Oculus. Well, but also there are some other great puzzle games on Oculus. Um, don't touch that the, button. Is that no? It's, it's not called that. No, that. Whatever it was, wasn't it? Don't don't push the button. Don't touch anything. I think yeah, don't, maybe. that's an don't amazing game on the Oculus, which is very puzzle oriented. Um, yeah. I don't know. Whenever we see anything that looks new and different and interesting, um, we like to do that. Once we joined the puzzling community, which I did mostly through Facebook. I was astounded at the number of people out there doing things and the way, the, how supportive everyone is. I've, on a number of occasions, posted questions, you know, how does everyone recommend shipping and what do people think of this and how do you handle, uh, you know, do you prefer coins or um, pins as, uh, as prize. prizes? And no matter what I ask, and I get so many responses and so much advice and i just feel like everybody on the sites that i've been on is truly supportive of each other and that's been really helpful and really great to see yeah i do think that everybody just likes to do puzzles and they like to do all the puzzles and each other's puzzles and more puzzles so it's it's nice we just want to say thank you all so much for coming on the show uh it's just fun to get to talk to other really puzzly fun people like you guys so thanks so much for sending us your games and having a conversation with us if you want to check out some Gruzzle games, you can go to gruzzle.com, G-R-U-Z-Z-L-E.com, pick up some of their games, join their subscription service. And if you've played one of their games, hit them up, leave them some feedback, leave them a review. Same thing for us. You can do that. If you're interested in getting in contact with us, contact at puzzlingcompany.com, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram. We would love to get to interact and dialogue with you. If you're a game creator out there, and you're looking to get your game reviewed or some feedback on it, please hit us up. We would love the opportunity to get to work with you. Zach, what are we playing next week? Well, I'm actually very excited to kind of play what we have on the show next week. We're going to be covering Light in the Mist. Ooh, which I'm so is, excited. Yeah, and it's uh, it was created by two people that we truly love and one we've had on the show. Yes, Jack is going to be our first repeat interviewee. Yes. Um, but we are very excited to cover next week. But this has been another episode of Puzzling Company for Jared and Zach. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.